feels perfect Other days it just ain't working The good, the bad, the right, the wrong And everything in between Yo, it's crazy, amazing We can turn our heart through the words we say Mountains crumble with every syllable Hope can live or die So speak Take on it, including the principal as well. 
and uh, they just didn't click. And sometimes that happens, and and I did not want him to spend a full year uh, in this class because she was um, apparently she was uncomfortable, and so was he. But but I worked at a school at that time in a different school, and the principal told me um, basically you need to you need to have him moved because sometimes it happens just they just don't click. Um, and she said it takes I believe she said four consecutive school terms to correct or to make one bad year right for a child. Like, um, and that, I believe it was four, but I know it was, an, it was a number that was too too much, too much big for me. One year would have been too much for me. Um, so even, even I'd like to kind of talk about that. Like, what do you do? What Because there are going to be those, those instances. It should not be because I feel as adults we should be able to, to, to make some things right, to right some wrongs. Um, and make children feel comfortable, bring the issue to the table, and let's deal with it. But that just that just was not the case this this particular year with his teacher for whatever reason. And um, and and you know, in result, you guys, if you know me, he did not stay in that class. He was he was moved. And um, fine, work from that point on, no problems at all. Teacher, the teacher that I moved in, had him had him moved into. She was like, what was the issue? He's a he's a wonderful young man. Why? What was going on? I have no idea. But this was a, a lady. She had no children. She was not married. She was probably mid-age. And, and some of the other kids wanted to be moved out of her class as well. They did did not. I um, just don't think their parents pushed hard enough. But um, that's one thing I like to cover, too. And then parents need to really fight for their kids and fight for them, with them, and, and support those teachers as well. Um so just want to cover a lot of things tonight. So, Rodney, we'll let you start wherever you want to start, uh, but I'd like to kind of have you talk about that, too. What do you do if a parent realizes that a teacher and a student, there's some issues going on that does not seem to be um, correctable, I guess? What would you suggest on that? Well, first of all, I think it's, I think it's totally inappropriate and unprofessional if um, a teacher um, – Handles him uh, ha- handles themselves in the way that that teacher did. Uh, you are an educator. You 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 can't be racist. You can't be sexist. Um, you must be culturally aware, and I think that's where the problem is. There are teachers who see students who they cannot identify with. Mm-hmm. And they immediately, as a teacher, shut down. They immediately, as a teacher, become intimidated. They immediately, as a teacher, try to be the child's friend. You cannot do that. What school divisions must do is educate these adults, educate these teachers, make sure that they have the proper diversity training. Because, believe it or not, most of your Teachers are white. Most of your students are minorities. So there's already a disconnect there. You have a lot of teachers, at least from my experience, who have never experienced the things that these kids go through. They were never homeless as a child. Both parents were in the home. They took family vacations. They ate dinner together. They talked about their days. They didn't grow up around a lot of crime, teenage pregnancy. They didn't have all of those things to deal with. So when they come across students who are already battling, well, there's only one parent in my household, and either my mom is working three jobs to try to take care of us or my mom is out partying and not taking care of us. On top of that, I have pop influences, I have all this junk on TV. I have all this junk on the radio. So instead of the teachers trying to relate to the students and trying to get to understand them, which is what they should do, the teachers do the opposite. So the first thing is the teacher needs to be professional at all times. And every child that walks into your room is your child. You are responsible for them for eight hours a day five days a week, 10 months out of the year. You're responsible. 
if for some reason there's a teacher like the one that Brandon had, that's where the parent must step in. And that's where the parent, my first suggestion is, the parent, before they try to get the child removed, the parent needs to go in and have a meeting with the teacher and try to get to the bottom of the problem. Because I guarantee you, if you can do that, you're going to force that teacher to say something that is going to get that teacher in trouble. And I'm not about getting people in trouble, but I don't mess around when it comes to kids. And if you shouldn't be there, you shouldn't be there. So if I were the parent, I would go in and I would and I would force that conversation. And I would even say, if at all possible, have a school counselor there or have a principal there because they need to witness that. Because the truth will come out. And if I were the parent, if I were the parent, I would try to find out why, why is it that you have an issue with my child and the school year just started. Because I guarantee you they can't tell you anything that's appropriate. But then if the if the principal is there, the principal is now forced to do something about it because they can't know that this is going on and nothing happens because school divisions are afraid of parents. For all of you parents out there, please understand and don't abuse the power, but use it. They are afraid of you. Teachers complain about stuff all the time. Nothing happens. The kids complain about stuff. Nothing happens. If a parent goes in there and a parent says something, they listen. Because most school districts are out of compliance in so many ways. And they are afraid that you're going to be intelligent enough to either go to the media or to sue them because they're going to lose. Because they're already out of compliance anyway. So I would force that teacher's hand, and if the teacher can't respond, I'd force the administrators, and then I'd go to the superintendent. I would keep going because I guarantee you by the time it gets to the superintendent, it's over with. So that, that that's my advice to those people, Tammy. And I believe the person from the 240 um, area code, Tammy, I believe that they are one of our vendors for the Education Summit. Okay, great. Let's uh let's pull them in right now. We're pulling in area code two four two four zero four seven one two. You're on the air with us. Please give us your name and go ahead and give us the information about what you will be doing at the education summit. Sure. Um good evening. Could you hear me? Okay. Yes, ma'am. I'm Hello, Rodney. Hello. It's a pleasure to hear your voice, and I thank you very much for the invitation. Absolutely. My name is Portia Cobb. I am the CEO of Knowledge Creates Power, which I'm an independent distributor for Total Fit Alkaline Water. So I'm definitely looking forward to coming to uh, the event to share um, the importance and the significance of Total Fit Alkaline Water. Um, just to give you a quick insight without taking up too much time, um, a lot of people are not aware of the benefits of drinking what I call live water versus dead water or water that has no bearing, no benefit to it to you whatsoever. Uh, if you consider, uh, let's see, a flower, and if you take any water that flower, I'm trying to do science, but I, I didn't do well in science, but if you take any water that, that flower, you know, once a week, and uh, towards the end of the week, you know, it, it may start to dry up, it may start to weather up, or whatever the case may be, it may not just do well. But our body is, is pretty much the same way. I like to look at it and say, you know, out of all of the good foods that we can eat or cannot eat, it will never make up for the amount of bad water that we drink. So I'm looking forward to bringing in um, the total fit alkaline water for sampling to let people taste true, pure water and what water should taste like. Uh, our, our alkaline water is ionized. It's less filling. Our pH level is 8.8. .8. It is already enhanced with the natural antioxidants, minerals, 
but the key that I like that it allows you to replace your electric lights without sugar and salt. And you may ask, why alkaline? There are smaller clusters of water molecules that travel through your body, which helps get your body out of the acidosis or acidic state. As of 14, I'm approaching my 14 years, I was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer 13-plus years ago. And as I was doing my chemotherapy, my, my oncologist had me drinking alkaline water, not the brand in which I'm an independent distributor of, but alkaline water. But I also was educated that alkaline water resonates in the IV fluids that they feed us as well. I note that as one of the contributing factors to why I'm still here today. So without, again, I can go on and on and on because I, I love this and I don't want to take up too much time, but I will definitely look forward to answering a question or two if you have one for me. Um, if those uh, aren't, if there are anyone on the call that may not be there um, at the event that's forthcoming. Okay. Um, is there, this is Tammy right in their website. Yes. Yes, yeah, they're, they're they're right. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes, definitely. You can go and visit the website. It's Portia cob.totalfitwater.biz, and I'm going to spell it out. P as in Paul, O as in Oscar, R as in Robert, T as in Tom, I as in Isaac, A as in Apple, C as in Charles, O as in Oscar, B for Bravo, B for Bravo, dot total, T-O-T-A-L, water, I'm sorry, total fit, F-I-T, water, dot biz b i z okay and is there any other way that they can contact you miss Portia? Yes, definitely. They can reach me directly via i'm gonna give my email address and it's t for tom f for frank k for kevin c for charles p for Portia dot p for Portia c charles o d b at gmail or via phone via phone, which I love text messages, which is two four zero five six five four seven one two. And again the website is Portia Cobb dot total fit water dot biz B I Z. Okay. And you can follow um, me on Facebook as well. And I will say this, Tammy, um the first time the, the, the first time I talked to Miss Portia, I was very impressed. Number one, she was just a very pleasant lady. Um, and then number two, she was very knowledgeable and also very passionate about what she's doing. And to anyone out there listening, you can't you can't do anything successfully or effectively if you're not passionate about it. Because if other people don't see why you're why you're so excited or so happy or trying to promote something, you cannot do it. And, and I will say, I, I, you know, I was just very impressed uh, from the first time that I talked to her. So I, I'm extremely glad that she has decided to be one of our vendors and uh, looking forward to, um, to, to to meeting her there and, you know, uh, just hoping that it, it is a very prosperous day for her. Thank you very much, Martin. I appreciate it. And the one extra key I wanted to share um, a lot of people associate the word alkaline with the battery. Um, it is not the same. But uh, if you don't remember anything else, please remember this. It is extremely, extremely difficult for any disease to flourish in an alkaline environment. Extremely difficult. With our pH levels being 8.8, that is the closest to the neutral of 7.0 that you will get we pride ourselves as being on the market of having a pH balance of 8.8 and being able to deliver the best water out there, which is um, in BPA-free bottles. It starts on um, case kosher um, certified. Um, we have it in various stores throughout the U.S. and even military bases, and it's coming to other various stores near you really, really, really soon. But our, um, our total fit alkaline water is going to give you that superior hydration, but yet um, it's going to help rid your body of acidosis, get it out of that acidic state. Okay. What we would like for you to do, Ms. Portia, if you don't mind, um, and I don't know if Tammy has another question, but um, just in case um, someone is, you know, thinking of, of a question or, or they 
uh, might have something, you know, they uh, they want to ask you, um, if you don't mind just hanging out for a little bit uh, with us, just in case uh, someone does have a question, you know, about um, about the alkaline water. Oh, no problem. It would be my pleasure. Ashley, I'm looking forward to hearing the feedback on the topic that was raised tonight, so I'm, I'll be here. Okay. Sounds good to us. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. We actually have... Um, they, the other caller disappeared. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, gosh, I was thinking I could have, uh, could have asked my question then. I didn't want to... Oh, the, the second person up. Um, it's okay. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get a question in, too. I'll send her a message about the water. Um, so, Rodney, I guess I have I have another. Um, I, and well, let me back up because I want to say what you what you said is absolutely I think the best way to handle, it, and that's exactly what kind of took place. Uh, I can remember as if it was yesterday, and. And what what ended up happening is I I actually tried to have a meeting with the teacher. We had it set up, and she was very, very rude, very rude to me. And I thought, gosh, it's no wonder these children don't want to deal with you because you make me, I'm a parent, and you make me feel this small if I let you. (laughs) So I I instantly, you know, I walked out of her class and went straight to the office and said, he he will not go back in that class. So I could only imagine what a kid must have felt like to be in that environment all day with this lady. So, um, and again, it's not, it's not what we, it is what we do, but it's mainly how we do it. I didn't go in there loud. I went in there very professional. And you're so right. Most of the schools, I know schools don't want to hear this but they're out of compliance. And we're not, as parents, we're not involved enough to see that. But if you go in and you show that you're, interest, you're interested in your child's education, you're interested in their everyday well-being and their learning, and not only are you interested, you're there to support the teacher and that this is a team thing. And, and anybody who's not um, willing to play the game and play it fair, even if it's my child, it's got to straighten up. And so that's, I've always made that clear from the first day of school when we do the little meetings, you know. I'm like, when can we schedule a meeting? And that most teachers would be like, well, everything's okay. What do we need a meeting for? To make sure everything remains okay. So that we make sure we have an understanding, we all have an understanding of what is expected from Brandon, from me, and from you uh, so that it could, this can be a good year. And so that's a great starting, starting point. We need, as parents, need to initiate those conversations, not wait for the teacher who has 30-plus kids in a classroom to your one child, to your child. So you make the initiative call and say, hey, I would like to have a sit-down meeting with you to find out, you know, what are your expectations? I want to know how how often do you give out homework assignments? How can I uh, contact you if, if something's going on, whatever? Just kind of meet that teacher halfway and kind of get a fresh start every year. And that not only shows the teacher who you are as a parent, but it shows your child, hey, my mom had some expectations of me, regardless of what happened last year. If this is the first year you decide to do that, then make an effort to do that. And, and I would say do it kind of consistently, you know, even throw in a time or two where you send the teacher a little gift. It's just nothing but a little note, hey, thank you for what you're doing when you go, when you get those great teachers who are going the extra mile, which most of them, for the most part, will do when they see that you are a concerned parent and your child, you're sending your child there to learn and, and with expectations. Okay. Um, Tammy, we, uh, we have a very special guest uh, on the line with us. Um, she, she is a, a, a just a a wonderful woman. Uh, she's a great teacher. Uh, I'm gonna let her elaborate on uh, the, the the students that uh, she teaches because not everyone can 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 do what she does on a on a daily basis. Um, and not only that, I mean she she's just a no nonsense type person, but has a heart of gold and and, and will. Do whatever she needs to do to to get the job done, and, and we'll and we'll push you to do what you need to get the job done. 
she doesn't take anything from anybody. Uh, but she's going to talk about um, our special ed population um, and, and just some things that parents who have children with disabilities, um, things that they need to know. Um, and, I, you know, I'll let her decide whether or not she's going to give her a name, but um, I'm going to go ahead and pull her in so that she can talk about that. Uh, area code 540, last four digits are 6388. Caller, you are on the air. Good afternoon. It's good, good to be My name is Constance Cardwell Burnell, and I'm a teacher in Virginia. I teach special ed. I teach students who are severely, profoundly handicapped. And the thing I can say that is most important and that is most valuable to teachers, I'm sorry, to parents, is that they know we care. And they know we care by taking care of their children, by having expectations for their children, but also communicating with the parents on a regular basis. And we can't communicate using our educational jargon. We have to communicate with them to make them understand or to help them understand just what we want them to understand because they are giving us their prized possession and they want to make sure that everything is okay. But, again, I do expect the best, the most. I push my students. They, it's just not going to be a babysitting day. It's going to be you come in this room and you're going to do some things, and we're going to have fun doing it. But we're going to do some things. Okay. Um, I, I, I have a question. Um, just just off of something that you said that I I totally forgot about, but I think it's very important. Um, can you give some specific examples or elaborate just a little bit more on? teachers using um, educational jargon or even using acronyms that parents may not know. Uh, for example, SOLs. I, I don't think a lot of people know what SOLs are. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you talk about things like that? Yes. We um, use acronyms in our meetings. We talk about IEPs, Individual Educational Plan or Program. Um, the average parent doesn't care what the IEP means. They want to know what it contains. They don't know that my students take ASOLs, which are the standards of learning, but they're adapted for the handicapped students. But I have to help them understand, again, what it's comprised of, because they need to know that my eighth graders are going to do reading, they're going to do writing, they're going to do science, social studies, and math. And I'm going to have to explain to them what exactly I'm doing in my classroom, what I'm looking for. But when I go in, if I start talking about all of these acronyms, it doesn't mean anything. Or another very good example is when I go to an IEP meeting, if I have a parent sitting there and they are very quiet, I know that I'm not reaching them. If they start asking questions, I know that I have them. They're there with me. They understand what I'm talking about. They understand the information that I'm delivering. And that's what I want them to do. I want them to be able to walk away with the most knowledge possible. Okay. Hey, this is Tammy. I, I do. I have a question. This 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 hits home with me in, in many, many ways. What would you say to um, parents, families who have children with a special need, if that's the correct, the proper word? Because, and the reason I'm asking, and if you would just put as much emphasis on, as you would like on it, because what I see happening is that students, um, in most cases, are it seems like they are limited. I remember a young man saying, um, wanting to know why another young man was receiving less words, and and I said, well, you know, he's he's a little challenged, and so it takes a little bit longer in, in this area. And so his response was, well, shouldn't shouldn't you give him more than um, more words? Couldn't you push him a little bit harder? But that was from the mouth of a baby, you know, from a, a, a another child. Whereas yes. I see adults, especially in the home, where we set limits to where we make kids feel like this is as far as you can go or will go, 
and and it's really the opposite because that those same things, those IEPs and those um, SOLs can go with you through college if you so choose. Those those same things can get can help you get through college. But we have to first let those kids know that college is for you if that's what you choose. If this is what you want, we can find a way to get you there, keep you there, and have you graduate and be a successful adult, functioning adult in this world. So if you'll talk about the importance of making sure that we push our children and require and expect more from our school systems when it comes to kids who we feel like or the, the system has deemed, you know, that they have special needs. My biggest concern is that we as a society and parents um, and and just the system, we don't expect that those children will reach a standard that they'll be able to take care of themselves. But in my classroom, my philosophy is I want you to be your 100% every day, whatever your 100% is. I can't determine that. But I'm going to help you achieve that. And with me pushing you, you will get there because I have to my, – my thinking is what will you do at age 18 or, in our case, age 22 when you get out of school and you are a productive adult? Are you going to be productive? Did I contribute to you as much as possible to make you hit your goal? And if I'm doing that on a daily basis and if parents think about that – as whatever that child's 100% is, we have all this in place to help them get there. But I can't determine today what your tomorrow's going to be, but I'm going to push you toward the greatest you can be. And the parents just have to know that to push their child is to do a service, to sit back and say, woe is me, my baby can't do, then that's a disservice. And nobody deserves that because, again, today we may see one thing, but there are many more todays that they're going to they're going to get it. And we have to think they're going to get it. And as you said, we have IEPs. That document follows them through college. And if they are giving the correct accommodations, there's nothing, there's no reason for certain people not to make it. Just because you have a handicapped condition, oh, well, don't, don't let that be your stopping point. That just, you know how you learn. All of us learn differently, but you capitalize on the, the resources that are out there to help you. Right. This is Rodney. I'm, I'm going to jump back in here uh, because of uh, one thing that you said. I, uh, well, a couple of things came up. The first one is uh, we've talked about IEPs, and, again, um, for those of you listening, IEP stands for Individualized Education Plan, and that is a document that we have for our special ed students, um, and, and it basically goes over, um, you know, it's where uh, the, the special education teacher uh, drafts this document, uh, they communicate with the parents. Uh, there's a meeting, uh, I believe, and Ms. Carwin Bonnell, uh, feel free to correct me. Uh, these meetings are supposed to take place annually. Uh, they do also have what are called triennials. Um, they're, I think, every three years. Um, right. But the IEPs, IEPs are a list of accommodations and goals that are developed um, and agreed upon by the special education teachers, the parents, um, and the administrators. And then these are legally binding documents. Um, you can get into legal trouble if this is not done or is not done properly. Um, I've seen right. a few cases where uh, teachers did not do them and <laughs> it was not good for them. Um, so these things are legally binding. If you think that your child has a learning disability, um, then as a parent, you can uh, request a child study meeting. You can request your child be tested. Um, and I would say don't just rely on the school because in some cases the school drops the ball and they don't do what they need to do uh, to find out if your child really has um, a learning disability, but also go to your doctor um, because if you're an involved parent, um, you know that, you know, okay, my child, like something is going on. I don't know what it is, but something is going on. But take the time to find out 
and push and push and push. Do your part at home, but also make sure that your child is getting what they need when they leave home as well. Um, and another thing I was going to say about IEPs, uh, and Ms. Carwell Burnell touched on this, IEPs or learning disabilities don't mean that your child cannot learn. Don't let anyone make you think that. Don't let anyone make you believe that. I've heard a number of special education teachers say, well, my kids can't. What do you mean they can't? IEPs don't mean that kids can't learn. It just means that they learn differently. It just means that they need other uh, things in place to make sure that they can be successful, but they can still be successful. In fact, um, in Manassas City, where where, where I teach, um, the city planner, the city planner now was special ed. He, he was he was in special ed classes his whole uh, school career because we invited him. Uh, he was one of our career day speakers a few years ago, and I was wondering why he wanted to go to all of the special ed classes. And he eventually told me, you know, that was the way he came up. He had a learning disability, but now he's a city planner. So it does not mean that your your child cannot learn and cannot be successful. The second thing I wanted to touch on, um, and Ms. Carwell Burnell, feel free to elaborate on this. Um, I'm not sure if you if you knew this, Tammy, or if our listeners know this, but if students are identified as special ed, they do have until age 22 to graduate. Right, Ms. Carwell Burnell? Hello? Hello? I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. Um, it, now, are there other requirements, or is that just standard across the board? Is that a federal thing, a state thing? How does that work? That's a federal thing. Because okay. um, most of them, um, if they, depending upon the program they're in, um, if they are on track for a regular high school diploma, there's really um, no need for them to stay because they're going to pursue that, that next level um, after they graduate. But if they are um, needing more skills, they don't have to leave just because they reach age 18. We are there, but the other part that's so very important, and it starts in middle school, is developing a transition plan. Transition is what's going to happen when your child gets out of high school, and we by law have to develop that when the child is going to be age 14 within the duration of that IEP. So we have to start thinking about what that child is going to do upon graduation because the most that we, the biggest disservice we do as a society, again, is let that child stay in school till they're 22, then they just sit at home and do absolutely positively nothing, and that is a waste. So, again, transition is so important, and um, with that, we have to ask the child what they think they want to do. We have to ask parents what they think they see their child doing, and all of that goes into that IEP. Um, there are some systems who have transition specialists, and there are others that don't have it. But it's a, that has to be written in the IEP um, by the the roster teacher or the case manager or whatever you call that person. Okay. Another thing I wanted to add that you talked about was um, the committee. If a parent thinks their child has um, something going on and they want them evaluated. Once they ask the school system to do this, the school system has 65 calendar days to do it. And if they don't do it within that 65 calendar days, the school system is not in compliance. Another thing, if the school system is not doing what they want to do, they have advocates. And most of the state, um, the Department of Education, they can let mm -hmm. parents know about advocates. So that those are avenues that are available for parents to elicit help. Oh wow! Okay, that is some that that is some great information. And and, and granted, I mean, <laughs> I teach, but there are a lot of things that that I don't know, um, especially when it comes to special education or uh, when it comes to English language learners. So, um, for those of you listening, um, I would definitely. 
look into those things um, because you you just never know one your rights. Um, and I found that out. A lot of parents don't know their rights. Um, and then two, uh, find out what's going on at your child's school. Um, if they have a learning disability, make sure that they are getting what they're supposed to be getting while they are um, at school. Uh, because, again, you just never know. Uh, Tammy, did you have any other questions? No, just I want to say thank you. That's great information, and I, I hope that um, parents are listening. Um, I guess, one, yes, I guess one more. Where would where would a parent go to to learn more about their wife? Um, I know you used to talk about the advocates. You know, they have advocates. But, like, if they could go online, do you have any particular sites that provide the information state to state, statewide? I would say go to the Department of Education, and okay. they have a special education portion, but that that usually is very difficult. Another avenue would be going to your local school, and most schools have books, and the books um, give you information. Um, okay. I guess as a parent, though, I mean, as an outsider, again, looking at that book, it may not help me a lot. I then, again, you can always go to your school and ask questions. Ask, get that one person to help you because all of us have, we have a special ed department in our schools. We have educational diagnosticians. We have um, psychologists. So we, we have those people who run our child studies they can help that parent get started with the process because ultimately they're going to go to the child study team to get this process started. So that's the the best starting point, I think, would be the child study team and just go to the school and ask, who runs the child study, and I need to speak to that person. Okay. Wonderful. Great information. Wonderful. Yes, that, <laughs> that was some really good information. Uh, Hope, uh, we hope that you'll hang out with us for a little bit, Ms. Carwell, but now we probably have about 15 or 20 minutes left on the show, so hopefully you, you can hang out with us some more and feel free to jump back in at any time. Okay, well, thank you, and it's been yes, great. Ma'am. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And for those of you who are out there listening, um, Ms. Cartwell Burnell is going to be one of our speakers at um, at our education summit that we've been talking about which will be held Saturday, September 26th from 9 to 4 um, at George Mason University in Manassas. Uh, she will be one of our speakers, so we definitely encourage you to come out. Um, again, we have her uh, who will be a speaker, and we also have uh, Ms. Ms. Portia Cobb, who you heard not too long ago, uh, who will be there as one of our vendors with Alkaline Water. So we um, do encourage you to come and, and check out the Education Summit. Um, if you'd like to register, the website is www.yourfaithteacher.com. That's www.yourfaithteacher.com. Hey, Rodney, this is Tammy. I'm going to take up about just a few minutes because we've heard the word communication mentioned a lot. And actually, um, I was, it reminds me of the conversation I was having with a young man, I guess about 26, yesterday. And I was going over the, I'm going to be there with Rodney knows, with the life language. Um, I am starting a brand new business, and I've been working really, really hard these last two weeks to get some things up and running. And as I shared with him, this young man, in a conversation, um, just just the overall um my overall goal for for this business is is to bring communication back alive, to get people to really understand who they are and know what they need from each other and, and know how to, to express that and be willing to receive it while while also acknowledging the things that they need to change individu- individually. And so as I discussed this with him, he was like, wow, I think teachers need to know more about this. And he is not a teacher. He is he is far from, from a teacher, a uh, very bright young man. But it was just so interesting to hear him say this and also confirm this. And so, of course, I wanted to know why. And he says, because I think they are half of the problem. He said, I don't think that they really understand us. 
And, of course, he, you know, he went through school, he went through college and all of that. But just to hear this young man, even being the age he is now, just that was his first thought about communication and it, it, how misunderstood I guess he, he must have felt back then. And I get that from a lot of our young people today um, to the point where they almost feel like teachers want them to fail. I've heard kids say it's almost as if they want us to fail. Like they make it so difficult. They don't they, they don't seem like they're there to, to help us learn. It's like they're there to make us fail, which is really sad that we've gotten to this point. However, we as adults, we realize that our teachers have hold so much more on them than our teachers back in the day had on them, um, all of the politics and the paperwork and, and all of these things. So they're very, they're under a lot of pressure. However, I, I want to, as teachers, if you're out there, I have launched RSDP Communication, and it's RSDP Communication, no S, dot com. So that's RSB as in Victor, P as in Paul, communication.com. Um, still, the, the site is up and running. We're still still working behind the scenes. But if if this is something that you'd like to know more about, and what we're trying to do is get this program into the um, into the hands of police officers, into the you know that part of the world to help them kind of learn more about themselves and be able to identify uh, certain communication styles to know what what to give and when to give it and how much and so forth. But this is also something that we're wanting to do with teachers and in the school system. So I challenge you to go out, take a look at it. If you're interested, give me a call. I will be at the education summit as well discussing this. But we have to bring communication back. I heard our last caller talk about the communication um, that's involved in all of this, and we've gotten to a point where we don't speak up, we don't speak out, we don't say what we mean and mean what we say, sometimes because we don't know. We simply don't know um, how to express it or, or what we need to say. So I wanted to just get that out. Um, and this is a this is a great tool for individuals as well. It's a great tool for couples to help help themselves understand one another. So um, it's a 20 minute profile. There is a, a very cost, very minimum for the for the reward that you get about self. So if you're interested, give me a call. My number is 901-830-6088. You can also connect with me through Rodney's page. Um, or Rodney will tell you how to get in touch with me as well. But it's rsvpcommunication.com, and that's no plural for communication, just communication. Thank you. Tammy, I'm, I'm going to share something, um, uh, a, a, a personal testimony along the lines of what you were just saying about um, the teachers not believing in kids. Um hmm so in my short career i've learned I've learned a lot, and um one of the things that I have noticed is that going back to what I was saying earlier, there's just a huge disconnect um between teachers and other teachers. There's a huge disconnect between the people in the schools and the people running the schools. But then the most important relationship, I think, with the teachers and the students, there's a huge disconnect. And I think with Cardwell Burnell touched on this too, it's all a part of this, this system. And for those of you listening, um, the system is broken badly. Uh, it, it's just broken. So much so that last year I was like, you know what, we might need to tell all the kids to stay home for a year so that we can fix this system. We just need to tear it down and then build a whole a whole new system and then tell the kids to come back to school. That's how, that's how broken I think the system is. Um, but I will say this. So last year was my toughest year as a teacher. It was my toughest and it was my toughest because of the academic levels of my students. I'm not going to say ability, but I will say what they thought their abilities were. And 
when you have anyone, but especially a child who has very low self-esteem and has little to no confidence in what they can do, you better get ready because that's going to be an uphill battle all year long. And last year it was for me. And I had 68 kids, Tammy, who took the – I taught sixth grade math last year, and I had 68 kids who took the test. 33 of them had failed the test in fifth grade. 33. That's one less than half. I had never had anything like that in my career. Never. I mean, I've had – you know, I've had issues where, I mean, I've never had more than like 50% of the kids come in um, who had passed the test the year before. And I was just like, wow, like this is crazy. But then when I saw where they were, or at least what their data showed, and then my own observations in my classroom, it was just hard to believe that these kids were in the sixth grade. Not that they couldn't do it, but because they hadn't done it up to that point. And you could tell that they felt like somebody gave up on them a long time ago. And so I spent most of the year trying to repair self-esteem trying to repair broken children. That's what I spent most of the year doing. But out of those 33 kids who failed the test as fifth graders, over half of them passed it this year. So they failed the fifth grade test but passed the sixth grade test. So there is no excuse for any teacher because I'm talking about kids who were doing math on a first and second grade level in sixth grade. I'm talking about kids who couldn't add double-digit numbers. I'm talking about kids who don't know their times tables. And I don't mean 9 times 8 or 12 times 11. I'm talking about they didn't. some of them didn't know 4 times 4 in sixth grade. But my standards were high. I expected the most out of them, and I pushed them to give me all that they had, and I gave them all that I had every single day. And not only that, because the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. So I had to put some work in. So that meant Twice a week, for two hours, Tammy, twice a week, I stayed after school with those kids, unless we had a faculty meeting or something. Lunchtime, my co-teacher and I, we were pulling those kids. They had to come and sit in the room and work on some things. Lunchtime, oh, no, you have to get this problem right before you can eat today. I did everything I could. So no one can tell me that a child cannot do something. What do you want that child to do is the question. And, and you know what, Rodney, there's, so, there, there's some simple, simple things that we can do as parents. And, and sometimes I feel like parents, they feel so overwhelmed and, and kids feel like, if, if if a parent or an adult is not involved, if they're not chastising them, if they don't have expectations of them, that leaves a mark on a child. Either you don't care or you feel that I'm I'm, I'm not capable. And so there's some simple things that cost nothing. How was school today? Simple. How was your day today? Get to know at least someone's name in your child's class and, and, and ask Generate conversation about 
who 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 their fellow classmates are. And so, if as you, because it's one thing I've learned, as you talk to kids, if you open up and you start communicating with your children, it will tell you all that you need to know and some of the stuff that you never wanted to know. But it's enough for you to to keep that conversation going. They give you enough every time to start another conversation. So we're 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 lacking in the communication, we're lacking in the connectedness. Kids feel so misunderstood. They feel like we think that they're not capable of doing what we have so superficially um set those expectations for. So it's almost like we expect things of them but we're not truly giving them the tools that they need to do to do those things with. And so start with the simple thing. Volunteer at your self school. At least one time this year, I would say at least one time every reporting period. Volunteer. Ask the teacher if it's something that I can do. Because you may think that you're doing something for that teacher, but you're really doing a you're saying a whole lot. You're saying much to your child about how you feel about their education. So those are just some simple, simple things. Ask to see do you need any work help with your homework? Just even even if it's the small things, let me call your spelling words out to you. Simple, but it shows them that you have expectations of them. So, just again, just very small things, and try to go to the PTA PTO meetings if they still have those. Do they still have them, you guys? Now PTA PTO. They still have them. them. Okay. Okay. Some people call it PTA. Some people call it PTO. Okay, okay. Another great place to start, and they, I think we all have the field day, you know, school field days and all of that. You know, just ask, how can I help? We take off work for everything else. You know, take a day off and, and volunteer at your child's school. It, it it makes a world of difference, world of difference. It just creates a, a sense of connectedness between your child, your teacher, you, and the faculty as well, and we're missing that. So it doesn't have to be this big Enormous thing that we we feel we have to do. Start small this year and be consistent, but start. Tammy, as we wind down uh, tonight, I, I generated a list, and I'm sure that there, there's more, but I've generated a list um, of things that, as a teacher, um, I think parents need to know. Um, and number one, your child has homework every night. Whether it is officially or unofficially assigned by their teachers, they have homework. You should communicate with their teachers constantly and continuously to find out if there has been assigned homework. And a lot of school districts and schools have gone to uh, not just a school website, but they've required their teachers to have websites and to keep them updated. So find out if that is the case and stay on that website. And also when it comes to grades, a lot of school districts now have gone to programs where if you go to the school, um, you can get a piece of paper that tells you where to go to sign up, it'll give you a username and password, and then it even emails you, I think, once a week. But you can go on at any time and see your child's grades. Or you can go on and see if those things have been assigned. So they have homework. Now, some teachers don't like giving out homework, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that they don't have homework. Because your child should be reading for a minimum of 30, nights, um, 30 minutes a night, excuse me. They need to find a book, different genres, but they don't need to read about every car that there is that has uh, ever been uh, made. Read different genres, different types of books. And they need to practice something mathematical. Learn their timetables. Learn different things about numbers. Have them learn one new word a week. Practice basic writing skills. Tell me if I showed you some of these kids writing, 
your eyeballs might pop out. That's how bad the writing is. Work with your kids on their writing skills. Work with them on their handwriting. Print and curse. Work with them on their spelling. Work with them on their grammar. Work with them on these things. Next thing, make sure that the school has your most up-to-date information, meaning your phone number, your address, where they can find you. Things happen all the time at school. And you wouldn't believe the number of times we've tried to call parents. And it's not that they don't answer or call us back. But we get that we get that operator that says this number is no longer in service. So what happens if the school catches on fire and we have to evaporate and go to a different location? How are we gonna find you? Because in those cases, we have to release each student one at a time, and you have to pick them up. How are we gonna get in contact with you? Make sure they have your up-to-date information. Next one: your child needs a minimum of eight to ten hours of sleep every night. And they need a healthy breakfast in the morning. Tammy said the next one that I had written down, and that was attend as many school events as possible. But what I'm going to add to that is you need to check their backpacks for any flyers, any notes, because kids put things in their backpacks, and they stay there the whole year. And as an extension to that, make sure that your children are organized. Get them some binders, folders, whatever they need, dividers, and make sure that your children don't have social studies in their science notebooks. They need to be organized because it will help them a lot academically. A lot of times kids go to study and they can't find the information because they don't remember where they put it. Help them stay organized. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time talking about this, but Tammy, I think that every parent needs to uh, look at the need to look up the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. Uh, that's FERPA, um, and, and if they go to the U.S. Department of Education uh, website, they can. Uh, find FERPA there, and they can learn about all of their parental rights when it comes to education. So I definitely invite all of you uh, to do that. Um, any final words from you, Tammy? Let's just make this year the best year ever. That's it. Just be get engaged, stay connected with your with your child's life, and that'll sum the school life up as well. All righty. Well, it has been another great episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show. Yes, we we are keeping our word and keeping it short tonight. And the last thing I will say before we play the music is I saw a quote a few weeks ago, and I want you all to think about it. As you go to bed tonight and as you prepare for another school year. And it said, a child who is only educated at school is an uneducated child. Hmm. We will see you next week, same time, same station. Good night, everybody.